So, and Lord, right now we ask all of you, and Lord, and none of me, to preach your word to us, your people, Father. Lord, please have your way in this place, that our eyes will be opened up to see you for who you are, that our hearts will be ready to receive your word, to live it in our lives. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray that all those say amen. Amen. You just join me just to sing a song I learned a long time ago in Sunday school. Jesus loves me. I just think about this Resurrection Sunday. It makes me think how much he loves us and that he died for us. And so many of you know that I don't sing as well as my dad. So if you don't sing, you're going to hear my voice. So if you join in with me, you're going to help me out. And I can step back from the microphone. But if I don't hear you, you're going to definitely hear me. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong, yes, yes. Jesus loves you. Tell your neighbors, I'm glad that he loves me. Yeah. It's good to be loved. Uh, I want to deal with this morning as we are celebrating his resurrection. That at the time that he did rise early that Sunday morning, there were women that ran to his grave and found the tomb empty. They heard a report from the angel said, he's not here, he's risen. They they were told to go tell Peter, and he rushes and sees an empty tomb. But we're going to pick up in the Gospel of Luke, the 24th chapter, starting at verse 13, how two men are on the road to Emmaus and how they are walking with a downcast face. Everything that they hoped for was gone. They are blinded by despair. As you're turning to Luke 24th chapter, starting at verse 13, I want to deal with that word despair for a moment. Definition reads to be at the complete loss or absence of hope. I say that again. To, to be at the complete loss or absence of hope. Have you ever experienced a time of despair in your life? That something you hoped for, something you expected, something you were looking towards to receiving did not come? And when you got that report, did you feel despair? 
Maybe it might have been you was just an hour late to that place that you had to pay your bill to get your water turned back on. And you could not get that water all weekend. Or maybe the lights were off. You were just a second later. You expected to pay the payment at the time, but you were just a day later and a dollar short. Or maybe you might have expected to get that job. It looked good. Uh, the manager told you, the interview told you, you did such a wonderful job, but then they never called. Maybe you were waiting for somebody to pick you up on the side of the road when it was cold outside. They said to be at this time, and that time came. And that time went, and no one was there. Have you been in despair? Another thing about in times of despair, people do desperate things. In despair, somebody might be known to hit the bottle from time to time. In despair, people might just give up on life altogether. In despair, people might have some bad habits they do. They might shop too much, eat too much. Do some things that are in an excess that's harming the body and not making you better because now you feel there's nothing to live for, so I'll just indulge in myself. All right, all right. Be careful how you indulge in yourself that you think you might be making yourself feel better, but you really might be end up just killing yourself. Right. When hope is gone, when you have nothing to live for, then you don't care about your life anymore. When you have nothing to look forward to, then you have nothing to live for today. Is your hope gone? Where have you placed your hope? Have you misplaced your hope? The Bible says, they that wait on the Lord, or another translation could say, they that hope in the Lord shall renew their strength. But we find here in the text, two men in despair. Let's see why they're in despair. In the New Living Translation, in the Gospel according to Luke, starting at verse 13. The word of God said that same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short. Sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things? Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said, he was a prophet who did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. They had, we had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel, this all happened three days ago. 
Then some women from the group of his fathers were, were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the woman said. Verse 25, then Jesus said to them, you foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures? Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Blinded by despair. They were blinded by despair, one, because their hope was gone. They said, we have hoped. Do you see that there? We have hoped. It's in perfect tense, meaning it's been completed. Their hope was over. They had hope. They believed that something was going to come, but it did not come. And look at the date. They said, it's been three days. I hope to hear a phone call from somebody, but it's been three days. I still have not heard that call. I have a feeling now, I have a stinking suspicion that it's not going to happen. They, they're at this moment, at this time, it says it's written all over their face, sadness, that they had hope that this Jesus of Nazareth, this Jesus of Nazareth, they said, the, the one that was powerful in teaching, uh, stood before God and man with all power and authority. This Jesus of Nazareth was handed over. It wasn't us. It was the chief, our chief priests and our leaders. They handed him over, and, and he's dead now. You, you have not heard talking to this stranger who is Jesus, but they could not see him because God blinded their eyes. But besides them being physically blinded, they were spiritually blinded because all they hoped for was gone. What did they hope for? They hoped for redemption. Is that what they said? We hoped that he would redeem Israel. I want you to think about all the things you hope for. I want you to think about all the things that you expect. And, and sometimes you might expect things or want things, and when you get them, they're not what you expected. You might be in a little bit of despair. I know that at Christmas time, I would hope for some gifts. I write out my big, long list, expecting to get everything on that list. Uh, my mom never seen her son write so much that it came to Christmas time. I, I, I could fill the whole sheet of paper up of toys, but I could not write a book report. But I could tell you everything that I hoped for. Boy, I, I had it listed up, especially I remember the time of G.I. Joe and Transformers. I wanted my G.I. Joe base. I wanted my Transformers base. I wanted my Rodimus Prime. I wanted my Snake Guys. I wanted a G.I. Joe motorcycle. I wanted a He-Man. I had all those things. I remember because I hoped for those things. But I know that one Christmas, all I got was Optimus Prime. It's not what I hoped for. But yet, it was more than I expected. Seeing that toy in front of me, it meets everything that I desired in that toy. Because I played with that toy till I can't find it anymore. I don't know where. If I still find it today, I'd be playing it with it on my desk right now. I love that toy. But sometimes we get things that we hope for where we did not really enjoy. I, I know that some toys I did get. I asked for them, played with them, and then threw them to the side. 
I told my mom I would do anything and everything for this tour, but when I got it, it was not what I expected. These same men had their hopes, and everything happened as it should have been, but it was not what they expected. Sometimes we limit God and what he can do by our own expectations. We think that we can control God and tell him how we should get things done. Well, Lord, if you do it this way, I know it was you. But that's not how God operates. God does not operate into, into your small mind and your capability. As, as imaginative, imaginative as we are, the things that we can think of, is it any greater than the world? Think about how we still can make computers and telephones and cellular phones and mobile phones, and they still act up. All right. And we created them. But yet God created the universe. And have you ever seen the world get checked into a garage to get fixed? Have you ever had a call, a, 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 a 24-hour service number saying my tree is no, is no longer producing fruit? Isn't it kind of amazing how no matter what happens, things die and things go, but the earth is still standing? Why? Because God is in control. It may not happen how you want it to happen. Yeah, maybe the tree may have fell on your house, but maybe that's the way it had to go. Maybe uh, the tree fell on your car, but maybe that's how the tree had to go. Maybe the wind blew your gutters off and your shutters off, but the wind still had to blow. But isn't it amazing how through all these tornadoes, these hurricanes, the world is still here? Some things just go how God plans to do. Maybe you don't understand. Maybe it's not what you expect, but it does not limit God because God is limitless. But yet we see these two men had a limited idea because look who they talk of. They said Jesus of Nazareth. Not Messiah. Uh, they didn't say the Lamb of Judah. They didn't say the Prince of Peace. They didn't say my Redeemer. They said you know, Jesus from Nazareth, that guy. You know, that guy that was a good teacher. He was a powerful man in God. Yeah, Jesus of Nazareth. We, we had hoped he was the one. It's three days now. And look what happens here. Not only is that part of the report, but they also add on to the stranger. Not only did we hope in him, but we also heard a rumor that there's an empty tomb somewhere. <laughs> That the women went out there, they told us, they told some of the disciples, and they told us that. And, and it's still three days. Uh, our Redeemer has not been seen. His body is missing. Our hope is gone. Isn't that amazing? They hoped in a Redeemer. They hear of an empty tomb, but that wasn't good enough. I want you to look at this, that when we limit God, when we do see the miraculous... It doesn't be, it's not a miracle to us. We walk into hospitals day-to-day basis. People going in and out having all kinds of surgeries and they have recoveries and we all say, I think modern medicine. Tell me anytime somebody gets their body opened up, it's guaranteed they won't get off that table. Every surgeon knows when they're operating on somebody, it's not a guarantee. They have confidence in themselves, but they they have an expectancy everything's going to work well, but it's not guaranteed. I I remember one time when I was in the hospital and I heard the doctor say it's an 80% chance of mortality. I've never heard percentages that high before hearing a doctor telling you, you know, 20% chance he's going to live, 80% chance this person's going to die. 
The surgeon is realizing that I have no control. I'm going to do what I can do, but it's not a guarantee that this person's going to live. But when the person made it through the surgery, we praise God because we realize it had nothing to do with modern medicine, had nothing to do with the precision or how the doctor made the cut and replaced and did all that. It had all to do with God. Because we realize that I don't have to limit my expectation to what a limited dog, a limited God can do. Uh, I'm sorry, what a limited doctor can do. But I realize that I serve a God that owns the world and the fullness thereof. I, I know a God that puts the stars in the sky, calls them out one by one. I know a God that turned darkness into light and said he turned day into night, night into day. I know a God that makes the sun to rise and the sun to set. I know a God that can do all those things. I think he can help out some little wretches like us. And in this process, these men limiting God, having all hope is lost, we find here this stranger who they could not see. They could not see who he was because they could not see who Jesus really was. Did you miss that? God kept them from seeing Jesus. If we could see all that we wanted to see, where we wanted to see it, we wouldn't know how to act. If God would tell Samuel Thomas during the whole layout of his life, before it's time for him to receive it, Samuel Thomas during would be acting a fool. Just think about how if we could control and have everything that we hoped and expected for the way we wanted, how we would be actually living. God made sure and effect to blind them and said he kept them from seeing Jesus. Now look at this. I want you to grab this. In 2 Kings, in the 8th chapter, in the 16th verse, Elisha had to pray for his servant's eyes to be open to see the heavenly host that was with him. Why? Because at the time, Elisha was cool and calm and collected. At the time, there was a king coming after Elisha to kill him because Elisha was doing some powerful things for God, speaking against the king. The king was mad. He circled around them, ready to attack them, a great, large army. But Elisha was just chilling down. They just like, we all good. Master, master, we're surrounded. He said, man, there's more for us <laughs> than there that's against us. And he prayed so that his eyes would be open. But first, he had to find confidence and find peace in knowing that everything is going to be all right. And then God allowed his eyes to be open to see the glorious angels around him. What I'm trying to say is that some of us want to see stuff, we want stuff, and our lives are full of despair we're, and we don't have it because we're not ready for it. You can't, you can't say you're ready for something when you don't even take care of what you already have. You can't say you appreciate something when you don't even understand what you're asking for. The Bible says many ask and have not because you ask for wrong motives. I want you to really grab it. I'm not trying to be mean on these young men, but they had a misunderstanding. And this is in the Bible because Jesus called them fools. And when he's called them fools, he's basically saying you are slow of understanding. You're a little bit misunderstanding what the text is really talking about. That's why Jesus took the time to speak to them from Moses to all the prophets uh, to help them understand. Aren't you glad we serve a God? 
that is patient with some people like us. I don't know about all of you, but maybe some of you might be like me, that you don't get it the first time. You may not even get it the second time. Maybe you might need a, a, a refresher course during summer school to help you out to make sure you get it through. See, I don't know about you. I didn't always have my life put together. I didn't always say the right things and do the right things. But I'm glad that there's a Jesus that has patience with someone like me that can say, you know what? Let me take the time and work with you. Because look what happens here. This stranger who they do not know says, stays with them these seven miles. TMA. Have you ever walked seven miles? That's a long walk. I've walked maybe two miles, and, and that was long enough. When I, when I was in college, I would walk off the campus and go to the corner store just to get, get to purchase some Utz crab-flavored chips. I would buy me two bags for, for, for a dollar, and get my orange soda and walk back on campus. That was my weekend treat. But it was a long walk. And by the time I got back to my dorm room, I didn't go nowhere else because <laughs> I was tired. But there's a lot of things you can do on that walk. I can listen to my music. I can whistle a song. I can do all kinds of things during that time. But we see here that Jesus took the time to open up the scriptures to these down, trotted, beat down, despair-filling men. I want you to write this down. When I feel down, the word can lift me up. Because how did this stranger encourage them? He gave them the word. I, I know many of you may call pastors and pastor, I need you to pray for me. But I try to always point you back to his word because nothing I can say can take your pain away. Nothing I can say can make sure something's going to be all right. But the word has promises in it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Uh, they that hope upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Lean not to my own husband. All my ways acknowledge him and he will direct my path. I am more than our conqueror. He works all things out for the good. Those who love him are called according to his purpose. I'm talking to somebody here. I can do all things through Christ uh, who strengthens me. Uh, do you see it here? How when I look at the word of God, I can find some comfort. Jesus realized that these men had some misunderstanding in their lives and they had some desperate times in their lives. They thought everything they hoped for was gone. And so he pointed down to them and said, everything you need is right here in the word. Another thing I want to point to you in this text, did it say that Jesus stopped and opened up his study Bible? Did it say Jesus said, let me get my commentary so I can tell you what it says? Uh, no, it says he opened up uh, the scripture. What's that saying? That's saying this, that I need to have the word hidden within my heart so I might not sin against him. Maybe I need to be like David and say, Lord, how can a young man keep his ways pure? It's by having your word hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. When you know the word of God, it can help you in desperate times. You might not be able to grab that Bible, but when you know Psalm 23, uh, no matter what you're going through, you can say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want to. You might be on that surgeon's bed and on your way to get cut open, but you can say, uh, Father, I stretch my hand to thee. You understand how you can find comfort knowing that God is real. And Jesus trying to help them out. And look what happens here as these strangers walk 
They walked their journey, their seven miles uh, to this place, this destination. And look what happens here. The stranger becomes the host. The stranger becomes the host. How did he become the host? I'm glad you asked the question. He broke bread. They were, he was, he was their guest, but he became their host. The host is the one that blesses, gives thanks, and breaks the bread. But it was Jesus, the stranger at the time, who took the bread, gave thanks to God, broke the bread, and then gave it. And then all of a sudden, their eyes opened up. I, with my imagination, I can see a couple of things happening here while they were breaking bread. One, Jesus desires to have a relationship with us. And the revelation says he knocks at the door, seeking whom to open and let him in and commune with him. So Jesus desires to have a relationship with us. Two, Jesus wants to have fellowship. What's the best way to have fellowship? During the Oriental, this Eastern time, one of the best ways to have fellowship was eating a meal together. Jesus made a point to have the last supper, the Passover with his disciples. There's something about having a meal together. And not only did he do this, another thing he did, he broke the bread. I do recall that he said that this is my body. This will be broken for you. And, and I can see when the bread was being broken, they might have remembered that Jesus being broken on that cross. I, I, I dare to say that while he was blessing them, they remember the blessing that Jesus did while they were at the Last Supper. I dare to think that while he broke the bread, their eyes opened up and realized that my hope is not gone. But I want you to grab here that their hope was their hope. So we have hoped that he would. Don't limit God to what you have hoped. But let God's will line up in your life. When you let God's will line up in your life, your hope will always be fulfilled. Because God knows what's best for your life. How do I know this? I think I just said it that Jesus is the good shepherd. And he said, I come to give you life and give you life to the full or more abundantly. He said, I will lead you out to green pastures. He didn't say dry pastures. He didn't say places where there is no grass. He said, I take you out to healthy, green uh, pastures, and then I'll bring you back into the gate. And I will watch you. I will cover you because I know the enemy tries to sneak in the back way. But he won't kill not one of my sheep because they know my name and they answer my call. Aren't you glad that Jesus is the good shepherd? And so we can find comfort knowing that my hope is built on nothing less but Jesus Christ. And his righteousness. They realize now that everything they hope for has come true. Because Jesus opened up the scriptures with them. To encourage them in a time of disparity. They were walking down with their heads down. Thinking that everything they hoped for was gone. The, the tomb was empty. They heard a, a rumor that Jesus was not there. But all of a sudden that rumor became true. When their eyes opened up, they saw Jesus there. I want you to grab this real quick. Understand what's happening here. We want things to happen the way we want them to happen. But yet, God has fixed a lot of things just to be that way. The way that it was supposed to be is the way it happened. Samuel Thomas Duran flunked a class in college. But God worked it out that way for me. 
how they work it out in that way, because I got an extra semester, a year, to grow some more. All right. Sammy thought he was ready to get out in the world, but God used that time for some more training. Sometimes we get into the wilderness thinking it's unexpected, but it's opportunity for some training. Opportunity for preparation. Need some assistance, just ask Moses. <laughs> he had to go to the wilderness not once but twice. <laughs> he went there one time for preparation. He went one time because that was his destination. You see, sometimes you get to a place not knowing why you're there, but just wait for a little while. God will work it out. They expected a redeemer, but look here. God has fixed it so that the Son of Man must suffer. Did not Jesus say that? It has, does not the scriptures write that he must suffer in order for him to experience glory? Were you there when they crucified my Savior? Do you understand how they did not just beat him the one time? But you can at least find at least three counts of how the leaders spat on him, beat him. Then Pilate flogged him. And flogging is not just a little whipping of a belt or like the whipping you see in glory when Denzel's being whipped and he has a little tear coming down his eye. Look how strong I am. I'm going to take this beating. Jesus was whipped with a flogging, a scorpion that has lead tips or metal and bones at the end. And they sharpen it so it will peel off your skin so that when they whipped him, they would rip off his skin. And the Jews had a set of precedent that you could only do 40 laps because people were known to die from this. But they whipped our Savior. And now after they flogged him, then Pilate delivered him over to the soldiers who had some more fun, who put crowning thorns, or put a thorn of crowns on his head. They, they clothed him with a purple robe. They hit him in the head again and again with a reed stick, piercing the thorns deeper into his scalp. And I can recall Jesus saying that the Son of Man must suffer Many things. He's going to suffer rejection. He's going to suffer abuse and, and whipping and flogging. But on the third day, he's going to rise again. He told that to the disciples, but they were slow to understand it. Because you see them right here, feeling all their hope was lost. But Jesus said it had to be so. It had to be done this way. And furthermore, he told them that go into Jerusalem. Because three days later, I'm going to peer up to you. And, and what happens once... He, their eyes opened up and they saw Jesus for who he was. The scripture says he vanished, he disappeared, and, and then they went running down to Jerusalem and they opened up the door. I could see the other 11 right there when they walked in. They had their minds on the same thing. It's true, he's risen. Before the two could speak, the other spoke up and said, It's true, he's risen. Simon saw him. And then while they're talking and all excited, it said, Jesus showed up in the midst of them, uh, sowing his hands, uh, sowing his feet. All I'm trying to tell you here is that you might be walking around with your head uh, bowed down. You might be thinking your life is all over, but hope is not dead. Uh, hope is alive. Uh, how do I know hope is uh, alive? Uh, the tomb uh, is empty. Uh, the linen cloths are laying there, but a body of Christ was seen uh, and it vanished and reappeared. Uh, he broke bread with them, ate some royal fish. Uh, he even had some time to cook some breakfast for them while they're out fishing. Uh, I'm telling you here that Jesus is alive. So whatever you're going through, 
Think about the suffering he went through in order for you to have eternity with him. Because right now he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Oh, what a glorious sight that's going to be. I, I know we get excited about talking about our President Barack Obama, but he's not going to be as glorious sight as seeing Jesus seated to, on the throne. I, I know we rejoice that some of y'all might have cried when he was inaugurated and installed as president, but our Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, having the name above every name, the name Lord, that means supreme. That means he's God all by himself. All by the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. Their hope was damned because they did not understand. I want you to understand today your hope. Your hope does not have to be gone. Don't place your hope on material things. Don't place your hope on things that will perish and go away. But place your hope on things eternal. Hold on to God's unchanging hand. Do you understand that unchanging hand? Paul talked about that hand. What can separate me from the love of God? Can it be nakedness? In other words, can it be poor and depravity? Now the, the rich are not more blessed than I am. Is it, is it, is it the enemy? Now the enemy has no victory. I'm glad today I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. I'm glad today that there's an empty tomb somewhere that they buried my Jesus. Because early that Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hand. They put some nails in his hands. But now he has all power in his hands. They called him mockingly the king of Jews. But now one day every knee will bow and call him Lord. I don't walk around now with my head bowed down. I know life is rougher. Life is tougher. There's some bad things, horrible things that happens in my life that probably happens in your life. But I know this is not the end. This is not the end. This is not the end. I'm just passing by. I'm just passing by. Because what are these mornings, uh, you might be looking for me, uh, and I'll be gone up to be with Jesus. Uh, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Tell somebody, I'm glad today. Uh, oh, thank you, Jesus. Good God from Zion. Uh, my hope is not gone, uh, but my hope is alive. Uh, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And grab this. While he's there, he's interceding. On your behalf. Uh, what does that mean? That means every time you get in trouble, he can have your name on his lips. Uh, every time you cry out, Father, Jesus has your name on his lips. Uh, do you understand? Uh, you don't have to go through a telephone booth. Uh, you don't have to put it on speed dial. All you do is just call out Jesus. Uh, Lord, I need you. And Jesus is right there. So I got you. Father, go ahead and bless my children because they abide in me. I abide in them. And whatever they ask, uh, they'll be given to you. Oh, that's the promise of the Lord. Uh, I'm holding on to that promise. No need to walk around depressed. No need to walk like everything is gone. Because he's alive. He has risen. He has defeated death. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. My soul is excited today. I'm going I'm to I'm leave you alone with this. I was talking with Pastor Shaw in the room. And I was saying, man has 
a soul that's eternal. But how much you love your dog, your pet bird, your cats, that maybe the little animals that run across your yard you care for and like. He didn't breathe into them. And when I was thinking about that for a moment, I started thinking that when he made Adam and Eve, he told them that the earth was theirs. And then I started thinking that for a moment, you know how women love to receive flowers. And men give them flowers to show them their appreciation. But the flowers they give one day are going to die. But then it started hitting me when God gave Adam and Eve the earth, there was no death. They were in paradise, a perfect place. He gave them something beautiful and adorning all for them to take care of. And it started hitting me real deep that how much he loves me. That if I was here all by myself, this world would be mine. Because he made it for me, but I'm glad that he didn't make me all by myself because I would have been a lonely kid. But I'm glad I got some brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God that he gave us this world. All I'm trying to tell you is that God has given you flowers every day you woke up. Every day you woke up, God bless you with some flowers and tell you how much he loves you. He said, where are my flowers? Just look out your window and see the beauty of his earth, the skies, the clouds, the stars, the sun. It's just showing you how much he loves you. And then he topped it all off by sending his son. He said, this is not good enough. I got to give you something more. I got to give you something that nothing else can compare to. I'm going to give you myself. You might read the Odyssey. The Odyssey says, what is God's to trifle with man? But I'm glad that God is not one of them idol gods. But he's a God that loves man, who made man for his glory. And he says, I'll die for you. But that's not the end. Because I will defeat death and rise again. But that's not the end. I will ascend into heaven and prepare a place for you. So that when I come back, you're going to see paradise like it's supposed to be seen. Before ever hello and never goodbye. Walking on the streets of gold. I will have my palm in my hand before the throne of the Lamb. And I'll be saying, holy, holy is the Lord. Oh, bless his name. Aren't you glad you see how this world's going to pass away? But God loves you in a special way. That he's given you a special gift. His hope. All that you have. Can be placed in Jesus. So that no matter what you go through. You can always fall back on the promise. Of God's word. That he'll never leave you. Nor forsake you. Every head bowed every eyes closed. Father, we thank you for your promise. We thank you for your unconditional love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. Lord, as we look back and see, Father, though we are not worthy of all that you have given to us, but we thank you for it. Father, Lord, we realize we don't deserve anything that you've given us, but it's all because of your grace. And Father, Lord, we are here asking you to forgive us, Lord, of our sins, knowingly and unknowingly. And Lord, if there's someone here, Father, I pray today 
today they confess with their mouth and they believe in their heart that Jesus is Lord, that he did die for their sins and rose from the grave on the third day and is now seated at your right hand. Father, I pray that we confess. I pray that we believe and I pray, Lord, that we now live under obedience of Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Still every head bowed, every eyes closed. If you do not know Jesus and you just pray, you just believe right now, you accept that he is your Lord and Savior, that he did die on the cross for your sins. Just raise your hand. No one's looking but me. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. That's you. God bless you. God bless you. I see you. God bless you. God bless you. Let's pray one more time. Amen. You may put your hand up. Father, Lord, we thank you for salvation. We thank you, Father, Lord, you loved us in such a special way that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And, Lord, we rejoice right now with the angels in your presence that rejoice over one sinner repenting. Father, we rejoice over those today that confess. And, Father, we give you the glory. And we give you the praise. Let the church say amen. 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 We stand and extend the hand of discipleship.